The Electrician Podcast, powered by Schneider Electric. We're bringing you the electrical industry experts you need to hear to discuss the topics you need to know about. Hi, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode. We have Paul Meenan and Ryan Pemsey as guests discussing uh, topics around the electrical industry and trying to figure out exactly what it means to be an electrician. Paul, do you want to give our listeners a quick overview or description, introduction about yourself? Uh, yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, privileged to be here. Um, my name is Paul Meenan. started my life as an electrician in the sunny heights of North London in Tottenham. Um, did uh, a domestic apprenticeship for a year. That company went bust and then joined uh, an electrical contractor company on railways and never looked back. I've uh, been in the electrical industry nearly 24, 25 years. I'm now a client, so I manage electrical contractors and run a little railway in Essex. Um, but yeah, that's basically me. And Ryan, you're no stranger to the show, but for anyone who doesn't know you, could you give us a brief intro? Yeah, hi again. Um, thanks for inviting me in. It's, um, it's great to be back on, on the podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan Dempsey. I'm the founder and chief executive of the Compliance Workbook, which is a compliance and analytic platform software platform that plays with data shall we say um, i'm also a fully qualified electrician so guys what exactly is an electrician to you um this is what what we want to discuss today um what are your thoughts when we think about the traditional description of an electrician and what do you think it should be two words come to mind for me um consciously competent i know they're words that electricians don't use but they're the best two summary words um if I, if I think through all the training I've had over the years um, in the electricity work regulations, um, which I do know because I'm a client and if I breach it, I can go to prison. Uh, there's regulation 16, which is competence, and we have to be um, competent for the specific task. Uh, the term electrician was always a general term that applied to a effectively a person who had served a, a, an apprenticeship of X number of years, normally four or five, and they were capable to select and erect um, lighting, power, heating, um, low voltage distribution circuits with the relevant protection, um, and test and certify said installations. That was about as generic as it got. Fast forward from when them, those terms were developed, look how complex and weird and wonderful the systems that we have in place now are. Does that really can we really use the term electrician for all the varied sectors, systems, procedures, and processes we use? I personally don't think so. I, for me, I, I would find it really difficult to give you a standard answer on what an electrician is. And that's not because I'm trying to be funny about it or anything. It, it is simply because in my time within this industry, I've had numerous people telling me they're an electrician yet i've i've then asked them to do a certain job and and I, i've been told well i'm a i'm a domestic electrician I, I don't deal with three fears and um i can't work on emergency lighting i can't work on fire alarms i've never done controlled entry i've never done cctv and you over time you you are you're put in a position where you gradually start to realize that if somebody calls themselves an electrician, it has to be followed on with a few words or a, or a few sentences around, but what are what, an electrician in what, what, what are you an electrician in? And so it'd be really difficult to take that one word and say, this is what an electrician is. You would have been able to do it 20, 30 years ago, but I don't think you can do that now. 
this is the thing it's if you don't mind me saying it's one of the biggest sources of conflict with electricians is defining that spark and there are loads of electricians will go and look at another electrician's work and go i weren't an electrician but to the person doing it they may have the perception that they were and within the limit of their skills and knowledge they were they badge themselves they sell themselves they they you know they work as an electrician and this is the trouble it's the perception of that title and the levels of skills qualifications understanding uh, and underpinning knowledge experience um you know that all builds up to what competence is um it, it's the largest source of conflict in our industry i personally believe it's a perception of what is an electrician paul you mentioned competency there um what do you think has caused a perceived dilution in competency um and where do you think you would like competency levels to get back to to um, standardize the term electrician see i okay so uh, let's 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 carry on as we mean to go so i think the title of electrician is potentially redundant and i think as in a modern society we need to at least have those debates um what we need to do to get back to that i think we need to accept that we may never get back to it and we may need to adapt our views and behaviors to accept that there is such a thing as an electrician who is an expert and competent in domestic household installations and that there is an electrician who is an expert in railways or nuclear or in uh, water and chemical treatment there is um, controls electricians you know um, smart home electricians ev electricians pv electricians um and that's fine because i could tell you now if i i mean i've done like pv courses and when i was doing it it, it stretched my brain to the point of i thought this isn't me this isn't the way i'm thought it, it requires a special adaptation in my brain that was i going to use it and this is this is some of the things people will go on courses to learn and understand but they may not never use it um, and for me, I've watched in my career, um, the electrical industry, the, the attitudes, I think, dwindle, the, the go-to people, the numbers maybe dwindle. Um, you know, the average age of electricians isn't young um, and, and competency and knowledge is always predominantly based around experience. You know, sometimes failure isn't a bad thing as long as you accept them failures and learn from them. And the good people are the ones who will share their failures. Um, but for me... I think it will take us, our industry, the next anything between five to 20 years to evolve. And that's not just evolve as an individual. I'm talking about industry voluntary bodies. I'm talking about the people that sit on the British Standard Committees. I'm talking about, um, you know, the union people, the contracting bodies, the, the, the behaviours that are needed to be shifted and changed, changed. And But more importantly, you can't just say, you will change now. It's got to be slow and steady growth, slow and steady improvement. If you if you say, well, this is terrible, it must change now, you're just talking to a brick wall. But the, 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 that's the first step of that, Paul, is acceptance to the bit that you said before. That's the bit at the beginning. Yes. It's, it's, it's almost an industry that I would assign it to. My sister-in-law is a plastic surgeon, and, and she deals with um, skin cancers and stuff in, in Leeds Hospital. And she qualified as a doctor. And once she qualified as a doctor, she then went off into a specific direction. And I would see that the electrician industry 
is exactly the same as that. You, you get those basic principles of the direction of an electron and, and you learn about volts and ohms and amperes and you learn that principle of applying how to connect a cable and how to stop a current from traveling using an isolation device. And you learn all of those really kind of core basic skills that means you can work on any system. You then drift off into a specific specialist area and at the moment, a specialist area would be somewhere like fire alarms and emergency lighting or control entry or solar PV, as Paul said, whereas a specialist area in 20 years could be domestic because we're, we're, running, we're running cables that carry AC current potentially with cables that carry DC current, which have, which have never been converted or, or gone through an inverter from a solar PV system or we're powering um, our TVs and stuff with the Tesla car that's parked on the drive or whatever electric cars on the drive. Um, I think that as soon as the industry accepts that we, we teach people the beginnings of being an electrician and then we have multiple courses to take them in a different direction, I think that is the, once we've got that acceptance, we can then start talking about the behaviours and the different sections of the industry that need to need to improve so and do you think that potentially regulation is required um, with a specialization in future so if i am a panel builder and i've specialized in panel builders for 15 years and now i want to go into domestic um, is this something how would you shift specializations or how would you manage that at the moment there's a certain card systems that allow you to declare what your specialization is like it etc um but i think the author again i i like the term as one of our friends does um authorization um into the industry authorization to work on said systems i wouldn't ask somebody who does 32 mil conduit for two years solid on a job to come and change a fuse board in the house because they're not competent they may believe they are but they'll struggle and they will make mistakes and they won't understand um, because it's just not what their current competence is. And I, I, I genuinely think there needs to be, yes, there absolutely needs to be some sort of enforced regulation. I mean, the, the silly thing for me is, and if you don't mind, I just want to read that. So regulation 16 of electricity work regulation is called persons to be competent to prevent danger and injury. And it says in there, no person shall be engaged in any work activity where technical knowledge or experience is necessary to prevent danger or where appropriate injury, unless he possesses such knowledge and experience. Yeah. Or is under a such degree of supervision as may be appropriate to have in regard to the nature of the work. And do you know what I love about that? Do you know what I love about that? What you've just read there, that was implemented in 1989, yep. that book. And it yep. was published in July, 1990. I think it was. That book has never changed since then. Yet what you've just read there is pretty standard stuff. What it's saying is don't go and work on something that you're not safe. Well, the trouble, if you don't mind me saying, so if you read the, the guidance note to it, which is more detail, there's a section in it, uh, section five behind that regulation, and it defines the technical knowledge and experience that an electrician should have. And it says the scope of technical knowledge or experience should include an adequate knowledge of electricity you're not going to get that on a short course. Um, you'll get maybe a basic understanding. Um, adequate experience of electrical work, you're not going to get that on a short course. Um, adequate understanding of the system to be worked on. So going from industrial metal munching to domestic, you won't have adequate system uh, understanding of the system to be worked on and or practical understanding of that class of system. 
So we, we think as an electrician, we can just go from one to one because it's fundamental principles. And in theory, it's right, but we still need to ensure we have adequate authorization, adequate controls, you know, that we're compliant with electricity work regulations. And in our industry, too many people are currently arguing over the wiring regulations and an interpretation, whereas we've always said, um, uh, as a group of guys, the electricity at work regulations is the document we need to be complying with and working from. Um, it says an electrician should understand the hazards which may arise during the work and ability to recognise whether it's safe for work to continue. Can I just pick up on a point that you just made there, Paul, because it is really important, and, and I've heard it on a few podcasts, I've heard it on a, a webinars, I've heard it on... I've heard it on just general kind of Instagram lives and stuff and, and people really kicking the industry for, for short courses. I, I think now's a really good time to just define what we mean when we refer to a short course, because me being a qualified electrician, I went through my level two and my level three, and then I went on a short course to get my two, three, nine, one. It was a five day specific testing and inspection qualification. And it was the most respected testing and inspection qualification when I took it. I, I think it was a 27% pass mark and that was a short course. So yeah. when we refer to short courses, we're not referring to um, a solar PV, a five day solar PV course that a, a currently qualified electrician takes to further upskill themselves. We're talking about somebody who's never worked in the industry, someone who's never had an electrical qualification or has never worked on an electrical system going on a course and then 15 weeks later saying they are a fully qualified electrician. And, and it's, it is important that when we say, because we do kick short courses, and, and when we kick short courses, we are not referring to the things that make electricians better. We're referring to the things that make the industry worse. Yeah. And, and that is key. We are, we are misusing the term short courses as a generic term which does detriment to the short courses that all electricians should be doing to upskill, maintain competence. So, for instance, I probably later this year and early next year will do an EV um, city and guilds. Why? Because I already have the underpinning knowledge. But what I want to do is attain independently assessed qualification assessment as a minimum level to be able to demonstrate I hold a qualification minimum underpinning commitment to learn that knowledge that's why I'm doing it. Um, the short courses that people refer to in, in detriment are the ones that allow people access an authorization that after five weeks or 12 weeks, they can go into Mrs. Jones' home and do work under the perception they're a fully qualified electrician, and yet they would be in breach of Regulation 16 of Electricity Work Regs and not know it. That then opens up the question to the bigger industry is are the industry bodies that are allowing this or sorry not the industry bodies because they're not industry bodies they're private companies are they protecting themselves under the defense clause because if you read the defense clause on electricity work regs which is regulation 29 it says any in any proceeding for an offense consisting of a contravention of a regulation four five eight nine blah 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 but it also says 16 so if you contravene the competency one it shall be a defense for any person to prove that he took all reasonable steps and exercised all due diligence to avoid the commission of offence. So does that not apply to the people running these courses? Question for industry, maybe. It is a good question. Um, and this, this isn't an easy question to answer, but how would you, how would you approach remedying 
the competency levels or what competency levels would you like to get to in the future? We touched on it briefly earlier about the specialization route, but what, what do you think are the first steps on a long journey that you mentioned to improving competence across the board? If you don't mind me saying this, I think there's, there's multiple, there's multiple paths that need to be taken over many, many years to get everybody to a common framework of understanding of sector specific electrician. Um, there's a lot of guys at the moment working in industry who may not want to do CPD, may not want to do further learning, further development. That's fine. As long as they're not then in breach of that regulation, that's fine. If all they want to do is metal munch for the rest of their career, fine. No problem in that. Um, but if they do want to do stuff that's not within their skill or their framework, then they have to do that. I think one of the things the industry has to do is start realizing that we need to start providing this training in a manner where people don't have an excuse not to go. And one of the big things is cost. I mean, at, at the moment, obviously, we're in a situation where a lot of people are in lockdown and the, the industry, a lot of parts of the industry is rising up to provide free training, webinars, seminars. Our mate Dave is just absolutely plowing through doing webinars at the moment, free training, giving people the opportunity to help divert their mental health issues from stress and not working, but also take the opportunity to try and level up, uh, you know, the industry that wants to level up. And, and that's one work stream, one work stream of leveling up the people who do want to level up. There is a whole another part of the industry who will not want to level up or just see everything as money-making, negativity. That is a far harder thing to do. And that, I think, can be done via alternative means. And by alternative means, I would love to see manufacturers stepping up massively um, or where they go out and they teach the guys on the site. This is how you install a kit. I mean, I can actually, because I actually use Schneider Kit, you guys have sent out some of your commissioning engineers to teach my sparks, who, who can be rusty at certain things, especially new technology. It's all new. They're not competent. But you guys come out and you teach them. This is, this is the input. This is the output. This is how you commission it. This is what the end result is going to be, which is great. And I think we need far more of the industry to start engaging on the shop floor, guys, and, and giving that real, what I well, let's be honest, clients call it value add. Value add is, is if I'm paying for something, I get the value add of there's no return, there's no kickback. At the moment, we have a huge part of our industry, especially in the domestic sector, where people pay in good faith for an electrician who may have been short-coursed, and then another guy comes in, does an EICR, and there's a huge bill to the homeowner, and they're sitting there going, God, I hate this electrical industry. It's, it's either very, very fussy or there's something wrong, and that does the whole industry a disservice. So I think there's a number of work streams that need to occur with number of things that all go on a separate journey to cater for the existing challenges, but then also create a roadmap to take people to a framework where they say, this is what a domestic electrician will look like in 10 years, a smart domestic electrician. The rise of the prosumer is coming. So all domestic electricians should be fit to be prosumers in 10 to 15 years. Um, the, the industrial electrician is gonna be internet of things based. Lots of heavy containment, but lots of data. It's, it's going to change to a certain extent, and there may be subcomponents. And, and I think everybody needs to accept that maybe on, if you are a card-carrying guy, that you have authorizations to work in specific sectors. And if you do want to go to, from sector to sector, that you will need to go on a six-months intense monitoring, supervision, training, upskilling, that might be it. But again, I, I don't have all the answers for everything. It's just a suggestion. And at the moment, not many people in the industry are actually coming up with the suggestions to try and improve things. 
let me give a different spin on a, a bit of a, a strategic spin on that. Um, it, it kind of echoes exactly what you've just said, but it puts a bit of a process around it. So when we mentioned before about accepting that there's there's an issue, is is, is that's always going to be number one. So if any any time I've sort of tried to improve a process, I've always applied four principles, and that's the accept, to gather, to improve, and then to maintain. And I, I've done that in, in every job I've ever had. And if you look at the electrician industry, the, the first part of call is for us to accept that the industry is now fragmented. And once we accept that across the ranks of everybody, we then look at together, we look to the next stage, which would be stage two, which is the gather. And the gather is probably the most important part. And, and why it's the most important part is because if we just accepted it and moved straight to the improved phase, there might be 200,000 electricians in the country and there might be a small percentage or a, a small work stream or a particular specialist area that doesn't have many electricians and then created all these regulations to work in specific areas. We might create a problem that um, a perfect example would be if we created a testing qualification and said from now on all rented properties need to be tested every five years and which that regulation or housing act has just come in through um through housing act and stuff at the moment there's a debate of whether or not we've got enough electricians who have got a qualification to do that so the gather the gather stage is really important for us to understand the impact to industry the impact to manufacturers the impact to schemes the impact to government and the the cost in the public purse once we once we've gathered that information and we know what the impact is on the different work streams within the electrical industry, we'd move to phase three, which is the improve. So that would be the development of courses to um, specifically target the specialist areas. And then once we get through the improve stage, we've ever obviously got the maintain, which we just it's an open, transparent view of managing the industry at that point. As Paul said recently, it is uh, just just before he said it, this isn't a we can fix this in five years. We've been, we've been fragmenting, and I, I know I keep using that, and I, I can't think of a better word for it, but we've been fragmenting this industry for the last 25 years. And if anybody enters into this and thinks that it's going to improve within the next 25 years, then they're sadly mistaken because everybody knows it takes longer to fix something than it does to break it. Um, and, and I guess we just need to kind of accept it and start, start that process now and stop the infighting stop the competition and just all batch together and, and and let's what is it the um what is it sparky ninja says make electricians great again indeed it's, that's exactly what we need so it, it is also if i can add to that it is very hard in this industry because there are so many private um companies who fundamentally exist to operate and make money um, some people perceive the voluntary regulatory bodies, wh whatever name they may have, as tax collectors. Um, you know, they, people will have a lot of negative uh, thoughts towards, I have to buy books, I have to do this, I have to do that. What do I get back from my industry when I can see my industry is in turmoil? And I think, yes, the industry has been fragmented for for many many years and most of those intentions i think were always good you know you look at part p when part p came out the intention was always good but then again a recent person said and i, and I love that person who said it at some point in in life somebody decided to put flammable cladding around a building and thought that was a good idea and that's the kind of stupidness we can look back with in hindsight and i think we don't have anyone to regulate the electrical industry and until we do um, there's no one to actually be able to take a step back and go, 
this is, was never a good idea. This was never a good idea. And at the moment, when you ask them all to come together, they're always going to try and come together or be perceived to come together, but they're still operating a competitive model, which means they really won't actually come together. They will only come together if it benefits their finances. And that's the shame of things at the moment. I wish I was a multimillionaire because I would set up a non-for-profit body and I would do it. Well, you've just made sure there's a few people going to make sure you don't become a multimillionaire now. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> um, controversial question. Do, do you think there needs to be a, a governmental oversight body or some intervention higher up than these private entities? I think you're too late, Sean. I think you are. I think we, like Paul's just said, there are too many commercial entities in this industry who rely on this industry as a, as a, a revenue stream that, that pay a lot of people's wages. And I think it would be wrong for us to, to just kick them out and start again. Uh, we, we should work with them to ensure that what they provide is, is a suitable um, alternative to what you just suggested. Uh, a regulatory body, I think it, is, it makes sense to have something like the gas safe register. Uh, that is not specifically tied to the electrical industry. It would be because it's obviously going to regulate electricians. I'm not. I'm not 100% convinced that that a gas safe model is what we need in the electrical industry. But I'm. I'm definitely open to be converted to that if somebody's got a good argument. For it. I, th I think whatever model we operate, there has to have two key things. Um, one is the practical skills, um, being able to verify the practical skills and obviously the technical knowledge, but also the personal commitment of of the electrician as well. I think is key. Um, because there are electricians out there who just don't care. They don't. They don't want to. And and you know what? That's fine. As long as they're not a detriment to themselves or others, that's fine. Um, but when they do, that's when then the authorization and, to quote our mate, sanctions. There are some people in our industry who, if they work with a full-hearted, lackluster attitude, then they should be sanctioned and they should be prevented from doing set works. Um, and that's not a, a horrible conversation to have. I, I think... If government got involved, they would ask their industry experts. And somebody said something to me at a college very recently of when we were talking about the electrical industry. And I said, well, uh, this, I think it was about the wine rigs. And, and I said, well, it, the committee's made up of many industry bodies. And the person turned around to me and said, but they don't represent the industry. They represent commercial companies and themselves. They don't represent me and me working in Mrs. Jones's house and the betterment of my, me and my family. And I thought, oof that's hmm, okay do you know what there is a lot of people who don't have much confidence or faith in what we have at the moment and the trouble is is uh, and again if you don't mind I'll, I'll throw something at you so the industry uh, allowed the authorization or the creation of private companies to come in um, to create short courses has that impacted the growth of our industry because the people who are doing the short courses they don't understand potentially the bigger picture, the better value they can get. I mean, uh, someone who's done a short course will only ever probably use the stuff that they learn on in a, a bay for five weeks and will never change that. But is that the best thing for industry? Does that impact the wider economic growth for manufacturers? I think that impacts, that would impact the likes of Schneider. I, I think that. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, yeah. It absolutely will do because that spark or that training center, if, they, if they're being greedy and they want the profit margin, they'll go with some really, really cheap imported stuff. And the guys will go, oh, yeah, this is cheap, which means I can make a bigger margin. But then the quality isn't there. If the quality isn't there, then that damages their reputation or they just don't care because there isn't an industry body that will pull them up. 
because at the moment, if there's an issue with an electrical installer's work, the industry bodies, if they're registered, will make them go back, which is insane. Because if you have a customer complaining about electrician, why would you want that? Why would you want that mental health trauma and stress of having somebody come back in that you've complained about because mm. the work was so bad? You, you wouldn't. And it's, but you can't have those conversations because it's like talking to a brick wall of, and that's where the industry needs to have a serious conversation of itself. What would be what would be really interesting, and it just goes back to you, it, it echoes that again, and it, but it goes back to your question, Sean, is what I would love to see, and I, I use the word love very, very strongly here, is we when we first implemented Part P, it was 2005, uh, building regs Part P. The, the whole premise of that is, is along the lines of this secondary legislation. It's where it's where the local authority would enforce that legislation. So there isn't a there isn't a, a legal body that's going to go out there and, and and get somebody on Part P. You're not going to get that. You, you might get the HSE coming and doing an investigation and doing you for I think it's Section three point two, but fundamentally the the premise of when we brought Part P in would be that local area building control within a local authority would enforce that and. At that point, somebody would have thought that the likes of um, NIC, NAPIT, Stroma, Alexa, uh, BS, uh, there was a a few others back then, they would have assumed that they would all have a fantastic relationship with the local authority so that they could jointly manage the enforcement, so that they would support the local authority in that enforcement. Unfortunately, over time, uh, local authorities, their budgets have been squeezed and squeezed, and we have to do more with less money. And... Local area building control will have will have felt that the pinch that the the technical leads will have been made redundant. They've been shifted off to put letters together and send out to tenants. They won't be doing what they did before. So there's no one to enforce Part P in local authorities anymore. And then the industry, even electricians, you see on social media are saying, "Well, the NIC or the or NAPIT should be enforcing Part P." That's not their job. Their job isn't to enforce Part P. It's to maintain a register of people who are qualified to carry out work in accordance with Part P. It's the local authority who needs to enforce it. And, and I think it's fair to say in, in our experience, because we, we've, we've very been very fortunate in recent years to have contact with lots and lots of thousands of electricians of various levels, sectors, grades, managers. And, and Part P is always a bone of contention because it, you're right, it's that enforcement of Part P. I mean, when Part P came in, the very first draft of Part P required individual competence. And I remember when it came out, I was in a wholesaler and everyone was kicking off about it. And I think within three months, it was removed and reissued because of the impact it would have had on the sector. And yet I think that impact, it would have been like the industry running into a brick wall straight away and everybody going, oh, what do we do? We're not prepared. We're not set up. Um, Part P as as an entity, my biggest fear is Part P was intended to be a good thing, but now we hear too many stories of Part P builders and too many examples of Part P builders, which brings the title of electrician to shame because immediately people go, oh, well, there you go. That's, that's an electrician. That's a spark. When in actual fact, the building industry has authorized lots of people to self-certify and declare and be supported by short courses, Part P compliance, which we know from just going on Twitter or Instagram or looking at these electrical feeds or, you know, pro electricians, um, wall of horrors. There's so much 
bad work out there. And I would genuinely say we are tilted towards there is more bad work than there is good work. And that's where you can use, you can use that as an indicator as to the state of our industry. But no industry body is looking at those indicators because why would you? It's the old see no, hear no, speak no evil. Damages your business model. I think you raised some really good points there. There's there's two things I wanted to touch on, Ryan. You were talking a bit about the change in digital and electrical landscape, and so are you, Paul, in terms of competency um, in the industrial sector, IoT is growing. I mean, we move into an all-electric, all-digital economy. Electricians are only going to become more in, more in demand uh, and competency is more digital, even for a domestic situation where the smart home installation the technologies are rapidly changing i know schneider as a manufacturer does its best um, to upskill electricians where possible we have various partner programs for contractors specifiers panel builders electricians and we provide this training but do you think the industry on top of um, the perception of lack of um, competence for existing electricians do you think there's a looming issue in terms of the digital capabilities of electricians and that the technology might outpace um, the personal development and competencies of current electricians and do you think that needs to be addressed more can i start with a really really quick answer uh, yes the answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. It is. It, I think the skills that electricians are taught through, we used to have, I'm not sure if they're still available, we used to have um, the National Occupational Standards, they, these NOS documents. And there's, there's loads of them. And they, they quantify somebody's skill experience and knowledge. And they say that if you do this particular job, you must have these set of skills. And, and the NOS documents were fantastic. They were, they were really good at trying to understand what you should know and what what's really just fluff. The 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 syllabus now from a, come through an apprenticeship. What we're expecting is we're still teaching people how to be electricians. We're still teaching people the the, the principles of Ohm's law, and we're still teaching people how to fit tray and and so on. But what we're not teaching people is exactly what you've just said. There is this digital technology, and and Paul used a fantastic term that we're going to hear a hell of a lot more of soon, which is the prosumer installation, these island modes. And, and electricians today, and it's, it's fantastic to hear that Schneider are supporting this. And, and I haven't really done a lot of digging into, um, into Schneider. I know you said we've got, you've got this CPD warehouse, I think you, you called it, and um, I'm still waiting for you to give me access into that because I wouldn't mind kind of digging into Schneider it. University actually the Schneider University awesome. that's where I need to be that's where I need it to helped be. create David Watts oh wow mm. wow well that's that is a big 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 statement um so yeah it's great to hear that Schneider are kind of pushing people in that direction but the skills from the NOS documents to what an electrician could look like in 10 years time is the only skills they're going to be able to carry across is cable running running a cable in and and they might not even know how to terminate some of these cables that are going to be carrying the data and carrying the DC current. And um, Paul Paul is is ridiculous when it comes to the understanding of RCD protection. And and if you haven't got a, a, a correct infrastructure and your and your battery storage on your wall, you've got the different types of battery storage. And if there's a backfeed and if you've got your your inverters and they're leaking direct current into your AC installation, there is a massive problem, and a lot of electricians don't understand that. Well, in fact, interestingly, when when E5 did a uh, we did Sandown Park last year, we had a stand at Sandown Park, and 
before the whole thing kicked off, there's a video that I don't know if we ever shared it. And there's a video of the E5 guys standing on our stand talking about the inverters on solar PV. Can you remember the conversation, Paul? We were talking about the five second disconnection time on an inverter, the manufacturer's instructions. Yes. And and this is the the back feed of DC current back into the, the consumer's installation. And we've got RCDs that that trip in 0.4 of a second and um 40 milliseconds sorry we, we've got yeah with 40 milliseconds we've got an rcd that's going to trip but the manufacturer says that their devices won't isolate the incoming dc current from the from the roof in less than five seconds so you've got five seconds you've got four and a half seconds of current still coming into the installation electricians aren't reading up about these this new kind of dc and 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 this i know we talked about internet if you don't thing. mind me saying uh, ryan the problem is is we are we have so there's there's a there's a there's a big picture issue here and i think your question was brilliant about the use of digital and how how it comes into the modern title of electrician i I completely agree with what you said there is there is two problems i foresee here one is the uh, awarding bodies so sitting guild eal etc and the national occupational standards we if you go to a college now they're still teaching people about squirrel cage motors okay these guys are coming out and they're wiring up now type A uh, RCDs. They're wiring up arc fault detection. They need to understand that. The We have gone out to colleges and we have taught not just the learners, but the lecturers and given them some training material on how these devices work. But more importantly, how you can go from the wizardry technology, you know, physicist into the spark on the ground. Yeah, because we have a slightly tuned in language that's different from physicists. And... Um, the awarding bodies are not recognizing that. They're not updating any of the course material or any of the notes for tutors. I did an 18th edition course, and it was basically 17th edition Amendment 3, and I ended up getting up in the course and teaching everybody in the course about the 18th edition. Um, Not detriment to training. It's the industry as a whole that we need to do that. Now, when you got take, I'll use my guys as an, uh, as an example, we've now got type A RCBOs. I have to explain that to them. But then when I'm fitting power tag boards and talking about IP addresses, it's blowing their mind. Now, I'm expecting apprentices to come out of college and be aware of IOs, switching methodologies far more advanced than a squirrel cage motor because we don't really use them other than, you know, manufacturing and plot. And this is where the training is not becoming sector or technology specific we're on a lag there's a huge lag the leading factors that could influence our industry is the demand the growth the technology but the lag is the training the specifications for what makes an electrician and the people supporting that and so you've got one indian industry up here going more 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 and the industry down below going can't help you what sorry don't understand and the electrician who's going to prosper when it all when it all starts coming to fruition is the one who is currently sitting in his own time or her own time researching what that means to them now. And those people who sit and research prosumer, island modes, internet of things, internet of everything is something that's being tickled out at the moment. So internet of things is for some people is there's history already because we're talking about internet of everything. Yeah. It's dead to me. <laughs> so we, so we, so the, the, the electricians who are going to really kind of, be the front runners are the ones who are now trying to understand this and who are now actively designing infrastructures to to cater for this when it happens um 
yeah, it's a, it's a difficult time, I think. But I think one of the other things that Ryan as well that he interested in talk about is we spend a lot of time researching new standards, new technology. So we kind of, if it's fair to say in E5, we do our own independent research, much like the Wiring Rigs Committee. They'll look at all the EN standards, the harmonised documents. We're doing the same, but independently. So Because one of the things we see is the industry is very, key, key, um, very keen to drip feed electricians' knowledge and that's probably because we personally believe that maybe the industry does know how bad um, the competency levels or the behavior levels or the attitude or the skills levels of their membership is, and they feel that they can only give them so much. We're, we're very passionate and keen about doing our research, sharing it to encourage debate and stimulate um, people feel like they're contributing to development of their industry. You've only got to look at the EV debates that go on online every single day to see that we were, you know, we were sticking rods in one minute. Now we're not. Now we've got this new technology, and is it? Does it work? And it, how does Amendment One contribute? And there's so many different um, complexities to this. And, and also, more importantly, the, the people who've been in the industry for a number of years, they see this technology. And, and they are key. Their hearts and minds are key because when they see the new technology, they won't want to go to an installation that they did 30 years ago and start coding it C2, C3, when there was nothing wrong with it when it was installed. And that is a key, key thing to hearts and minds in the industry to get the buy-in for everyone to go on that journey together. And at the moment, you know, we get arguments over, oh, well, if a cable above a ceiling is not fire clipped, it could potentially be a C2 and a board under a stairs, is it a C2? It, it causes a lot of hearts and minds to go very sour and very negative which switches people off from going on the journey they should be on which is upskilling yeah. and contributing to answer your question <laughs> that's a very good answer um, we're not politicians by the way just to be clear we have meant between me and ryan we have many many years and there isn't just me and ryan talking here this is the the hearts and minds of the the lee wards the david watts the adrian dave all these people across the industry <laughs> who uh generally have passion and experience and viewpoints and want things to improve and and yeah so it's not just our mindsets here we're no no i mean i fully agree it's just i'm thinking about asking you around cpd but it's such a big topic to unpack on its own no it's not it's easy <laughs> so no, I, I, I know it's easy in terms of what cpd is it's, it's more about where do we start with getting buy into cpd in the industry and how do we get electricians to go along this journey with us to absorb manufacturers content and training that we produce it i'll tell you one thing that is which which nobody actually has ever discussed yet employers employers are rubbish okay at putting electricians or their engineers on cpd i can tell you now i've worked in a, quite a few companies and the employers unless it's the needed to do your job forget it forget it i know so many people have to book holiday to go and do their own cpd um, I got to a point in my career where actually I had a HR director sit me down and went, you've done so much CPD, there's no CPD we can give you that'll make you any better at your job. And I was like, I don't ever take that as an insult or a compliment. But I was so self-driven and self-motivated, I knew what I needed to do. My employer couldn't help me. But yet many, many electricians on the shop floor, you hear them, oh, when are you doing 18th? No, our employer won't pay for it. They'll only go for a one day or a half day or exam only. And even then I've got to take a half day's holiday. And you're thinking... That that is that an, a more evidence of the race to the bottom where people can't afford to train their people because pricing is too competitive and the margins are too small. 
because that's another aspect to, to you know, the, what is an electrician anymore? The race to the bottom, the and not just the domestic guy getting, you know, um, quoted cheaper by a Part P builder, but the commercial guy, the industrial guy, the procurement man, the procurement man who who does CPD in procurement and giving value to the client and his employer and gets bonuses for it, but is put in charge of procuring electrical and building services work and only cares about what's cheapest and not about quality and not about technical compliance or the resources all the time to do the job properly. And remember, it's very simple. It is very simple. If It's very simple to understand why the industry is the way it is. If we all know what CPD is, we know that that reflection, we know that we like to do it because we like to understand. And I, and I guess it's some people might call that boring. Some people are inspired by it. Um, CPD in the electrical industry now is simply, if your wage packet at the end of the week is £700, and if during this week you do something that gets that wage packet to £750 a week, then I will jump on that CPD and I will do it all day, every day. If it's, it's hand-to-mouth industry, we if we can earn more money, we will do it. If we If it's not going to make any difference to my life from a financial perspective, then it is a waste of my time. And unfortunately, that is exactly where CPD sits in our industry right now. Trust you, common sense farmer, eh? Yeah. No, he's absolutely right. And most sparks, you know, I remember being on the tools, a lot of the debates and arguments, if it wasn't about is he qualified or is any good, it was what tickets he's got and how much is he on an hour? Does he get an extra hour? Does he get an extra hour for having, a, 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 you know, a plasma ticket for building scaffolds or, you know, I mean, on the underground, they used to have tickets for doing safe isolation. So you could get a lot of money for having a license to do safe isolations, more than the average sparks, double what the average sparks got. So everyone wanted it but you had to prove technical competence, theoretical competence. Um, and it was a badge of honor. I, I wish that was done more for me. I, I'm, you know, I think, I think T Clark are actually one of the few companies I'm allowed to name them. They actually incentivize their guys to pass their training and give them bonuses, uh, but they're a big company who can financially have that. And it's evidently they're big and successful, but the smaller companies, no, they feel like they're being dragged towards you must upskill you must train you know i think that's why a lot of people put friction and resistance when the regs come out and get updated we know that to maintain your competence under 16 you should possess the underpinning knowledge to not give rise of danger but too many electricians will just see it as a money-making scheme or a scam or i have to have this because my card has says i have to have it or my CPS says I have to have it. So there's the negative attitude straight away rather than absorbing the underpinning knowledge that will make you better. I have to do this rather than yeah. I have to do this. And it need it does need a shift in the hearts and minds. It does need a shift. There needs to be more, I think, financial incentives for guys to want to get their tickets up to date and, and be a point of pride as well. But I think the electrical industry has, a, as you can see, a lot of root cause problems to it. I, th I think you touched on one important issue there. It may only apply to bigger companies, but having that ethos of culture to promote uh, CPD and professional development is really important. I mean, the electrician program that I manage, we have over 700 hours free training for electricians, but internally within Schneider as an employee myself, I have access to 8,000 hours worth of CPD content. We actually, it's one of our core values at Schneider. We have a, a hashtag called learn every day and we actually promote it every single day to try and 
uh, do some form of CPD. Um, and we have guided curriculums. I'm a marketing man. I've spent the last year upskilling myself in the electrical industry and learning exactly what an arc fault detection device is and when it kicks in. Um, I've learned about overcurrent protection. And this is the type of CPD I've been doing for free. But it, it's because I'm lucky enough to work for a company who's passionate about knowledge and encourages learning. And I think you've hit the nail on the head there. If you find yourself in an environment or employer who's not pushing that message, you may have to go externally to look for that CPD. Uh, I know you guys are doing a great job at E5 to promote it, but... Uh, Can I make a suggestion? Yeah. Um, you've just said something fantastic there. And Schneider is the brand that you are. When you say you've got a hashtag yourself called Learn Every Day, I would suggest that Schneider looks at the, that 700 hours of free CPD and you, you, um, you classify that, you, you batch that into little chunks and then you submit that out into the industry through the likes of Professional Electrician, um, which is probably the leading um, publication which kind of drives, um, it has the hearts and minds of a lot of people I know in the industry and, and we kind of, we, we, we connect with them quite well. Um, push out that hashtag and say this is a Schneider incentive, learn every day, we will help you, but you could create a fantastic marketing campaign where it would show everybody that Schneider's here, and because I think that's an amazing hashtag. I think learn every day, I simple, think isn't learn it? every day. You, when you do these, people keep terming me an entrepreneur, and I hate the term. You, I'm happy for people to call me, but I would never call myself it. And But when you look at entrepreneur online and you Google it, and they all, they all see, oh, entrepreneurs and leaders they read this many books and they read a book a day and they they learn every day and that's a term i've heard a lot in terms of self-development and i i personally think schneider should do more with that hashtag and you should push it out and and anybody listening to this podcast i'm pretty sure there will be hundreds of people if not thousands of people listening to this podcast who are nodding their head listening to this well i'll be putting it on the e5 tweets and stuff from now on learn every day I, I like it it's simple and fit and functional yeah i think i think it embodies a great ethos and we have that resource free for electricians which is great i mean we we obviously work with professional electrician uh, love richard um we've also been working with Fultonum to push out some additional cpd with Fultonum forward uh, and we're the platinum sponsor of Sparks. So one of the important things I'm passionate about is um, upskilling apprentices. And we, we're doing a lot of work with that. Um, we've been in conversations with Dave to try and help give him more content. But I, I think it is something that we would push out and maybe we could use you guys to help leverage that a bit more. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think, as you can probably tell from the looks of us, there is a there is an age demographic issue with Sparks in in our industry, and um, the, the the one of the reasons why I've learned because I I was a very keen user of Voltimum um, when I was developing in my twenties, the online um, CPD that they used to offer, uh, it was cool, it was good, but my heart, my mind, my soul, when I first started in this industry, my loyalty was always to the one piece of free CPD I could get, which was reading Pro Electrician magazine. It was my only beacon into the industry. And for thousands of sparks who were over the age of 35, it's their only beacon. It's their only way in because so many sparks don't do social media. They just Can I tell you a funny story about professional about that magazine? I was there, I was helping one of my developers, slightly off piece, but everybody will have a bit of a giggle at this. I went to buy a 20 mil coupler into a, a steel comp uh, steel consumer unit to put the tails in and i walked into a an electrical store in on the wirral in liverpool 
and there was a pile of those magazines, professional electrician magazines on the counter and I asked for it and the guy looked at me and went, where do I know you from? And I was like, oh my God. And it's probably one of the first times it happened. I was so embarrassed because I was with the member of my, my company and he says, where do I know you from? And he opened the book and he turned it to the E5 spread and he says, oh my God. And he went and got everyone from the back office and they were taking pictures with me and stuff. And it was I hated it. I hated that. I never that. get that. <laughs> I, I, it was, it's, we get it at Alex and it, it's, oh, yeah, it is Alex funny, but when you're, when you're not expecting it and he got the book and, oh, it was the most embarrassed I've ever been for a long time. I and actually it, framed that edition. Uh, did you? I'm a little jealous, Ryan. I've also, I've had a published article in Professional Electrician recently talking exactly about this on Digital Electrician, uh, but I have no celebrities. No one's come up to me on the street. <laughs> Do you know, we did, a, we did a podcast and a conversation couch with Richard Bowler, and he got um, recognized at the Manchester Alexa, I believe. People came up to him and went, oh, we saw you on YouTube. So he rang me up and he went, oh, I'm well chuffed. Nobody ever knows who I am. And I was like, oh, okay. Weird. The power of social media, right? How power. social media where there's a lot there's a lot of hearts and minds on social media but again even of all the people on social media they only rep i've always said that the good people on social media will only make up one percent of one percent of one percent of the yes. hearts and minds of our industry there's so much more to do yeah i think it is a lot that we've unpacked so i think we should probably try to summarize it and bring it back into i think um i think interestingly from from i've really enjoyed this one i i've we are, you obviously know we've done quite a few podcasts and, and especially the one we did the other day, uh, you and I, I really enjoyed that one and, and I've really enjoyed this one because it's, it's quite open and we're, we're having a, a really good debate. From, from this one, one of the things that stood out for me is a, is a comment that Paul made right at the start when it's, um, is the term electrician redundant? And I think that's something I think we need to let the industry have a, have a conversation about. And, and anybody listening to this podcast, it would be interesting if you could jump on social media, ask the question, have your opinion, drop, drop Schneider a line, drop me a line, drop Paul, Sean, drop any of us a line just to try and answer that question because we've obviously debated it. Um, is the term electrician redundant? And is it, uh, is it very valid? I think it's definitely worth an industry bait, get people's views and opinions without a doubt. I think so. I'm happy to take those uh, comments. Again, guys, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for joining our podcast. Again, thank you everyone for listening uh, and stay tuned for another episode. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying this show, please leave a review. Hit subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes.